Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. We are back to break down the results of the 15-kilometer classic at the Olympics with a special guest, a buddy of mine, Fahor Teppen, a former Estonian World Cup skier who is here doing expert commentary for an Estonian television station. We'll get into the podium standings and the American and Canadian results quickly, and then Bahur has a little bit of expertise after having spent several years coaching the Chinese team. We'll be back after this message. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport, the industry-leading resource for cross-country skiing equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. If you're looking to tour at a local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sport's passionate staff can help you get the perfect gear for your cross-country skiing experience. Visit boldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country and download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine. Check out the Boulder Nordic YouTube channel for extensive waxing how-tos. Ski inventory is challenging this season, but Boulder Nordic Sport is receiving new gear every week, including the new floor-free race waxes from Holman Cole and Rody. Check out your options at boldernordic.com. Big day today. Oh my God. Like, and you know what? I People are probably sick of hearing me just say that every single time. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's the Olympics. It only happens once every four years. And this Olympics has thrown so many curveballs with the altitude, the slow snow, the grindy type tracks. So damn right, I'm excited. But like I said yesterday with Kristen, uh, I'm old school. Individual start races, that's what's up. I absolutely adore individual start races. 15K Classic was my absolute favorite race my whole career. Even though I didn't get my best results in the event, it, it is just my favorite race to, to race. And so it means a lot. There's a lot of history there. And I thought today um, it really was it really was set up as a battle of the Titans. And in, in, a, in large part, it, it, it was that battle. We were given what was advertised, although I felt like the race was kind of sealed earlier than I thought. What did you think? Same. I mean, I was kind of waiting to see if um, Ivo Niskanen was like going to die and, you know, there was a pacing issue or whatever, but it, you know, kind of just was like, okay, Ivo Niskanen's going to win. And I, I was kind of thinking about your comments about the individual start race. And I mean, after yesterday and, and, you know, not just after yesterday, I'm, I'm kind of like feeling like, you know, we should just, we should have more individual start races. And then today it was kind of like, well, this was not the most dramatic, but I do think if you look a little further down on the results sheet, like, you know, the, the race for third was actually pretty exciting and maybe you just got to find a little bit more to get excited about. No, for sure. But also too, you gotta, you gotta understand. I mean, we're super dorks and, and people that listen to the, the podcast are obviously interested in cross-country ski racing. When you have two athletes that we saw on Saturday in the pursuit, classic skiing, like they were classic skiing, <laughs> Everything's sitting right with the technique, everything's sitting right with the equipment. We talked about, I've talked ad nauseum about how good the Finnish skis are. And we saw it again today. I mean, Hervenin and, um, and Niskanen skis were outstanding. They had two guys in the top six and, you know, it, it, the race was set up the way it was when you had Bolshinov and Niskanen skiing so well in the classic portion of the skiathon a few days ago. So while some people might think that that's not exciting, like I actually kind of think it is because like we talked about before, it's really hard to have that pressure. And the pressure is huge on this. And cross-country skiing is a big sport in Finland, like we've talked about. And in Russia, I mean, Bolshinov took that early gold medal. He's a huge name in Russia. Russia has a deep history of cross-country skiing results in Soviet Union. And, and um, he's a big star there. So, so that you're going to have a clash of the Titans like it was 
I, th I think it was set up for exciting. I do agree with what you're saying, though, as Niskanen started a little harder than Bolshinov, and Bolshinov looked good, you know? Like, I thought Bolshinov looked solid, and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, he's just biding his time. But, but in the end, you're right. Niskanen had that course and that, that race just totally cased and dialed in and he skied away with it. And to win by over 20 seconds in a 15 K 23 seconds clear of Bolshinov to take the win. Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you can't ask for more as an athlete. And I think with Niskanen, I think is super exciting to me is gold medal in the team sprint in Sochi with Samuel Yaryarvi gold medal in the 50 K with Bolshinov, a real battle there. And that one was exciting. That was crazy exciting right down to the final kilometers or left. Uh, in that race, he came and Niskanen came away with the win. He's a 2017 15K world champion. He did that in Lati, Finland at home. And like, he's not from Lati, but at a home course in Finland in front of the home crowd. And then last year he struggled, you know what I mean? Like at the world championships in Oberstdorf, Niskanen wasn't, wasn't quite at his absolute best. In 2019, he was the heavy odds on favorite for the 15K classic in Seyfeld at the world championships. He came up short. He was third, uh, but still a great performance by him. And, and now this year, he has just been the best 15K classic skier of the season, individual start. And with all that pressure, I guess maybe I think it's exciting because I've been in that position, except without all the pressure of winning all that stuff I just named. But I, but I understand the pressure I put on myself. And, and uh, the fact that he could deliver such a beautiful performance like that, really, I, I was captivated. I really was. Yeah, I mean, it just was it was kind of like we, we talked about it was like it was a clutch performance and he delivered and, you know, OK, maybe it doesn't have the same drama as like a mass start sprint finish. But like it, it's still, you know, to be able to just witness that. And I mean, he just was skiing so beautifully today. You know, I, I got to watch him ski up that first hill, you know, just these like big, long, powerful strides it was like really um something something to behold for sure um and yeah i don't know i mean you know you can't blame him for for not making it more suspenseful right like you could blame bullshit yeah exactly yeah and exactly and, and speaking of like apropos bullshit enough i thought he had a great race too he had a really solid race if you looked at the technique if you looked at how he was executing those races sorry the course he, he was very disciplined he opened a little slower than niskanen but that's the way you do it at this altitude and his technique was totally dialed in throughout the entire course. And even in the closing minutes, you know, probably from around 10 K right around 10 K Bolshinov looked like he was getting a little, a little more tired, um, not in technique, but just in the time. And uh, I, I'm really just impressed that he was able to finish it up and uh, close well. And it was a great performance. Okay. Not a great performance by Bolshinov because we have to start being honest for Bolshinov to have a great performance, that means he wins. That, that's his level. And Niskanen, same thing. A great performance by Niskanen was a gold medal, and he had a great performance. But it was a very solid Bolshinov we saw. And he came away, he came away with the silver. And, and it looked like, you know, the, the, the most exciting race, like you said earlier, was that race for bronze. And, and yet, you know, for a time, it looked like Klebo was closing so damn hard that could he sneak and steal that silver medal out of the craft glass uh, clasp of uh, Bolshinov, but it wasn't to be Bolshinov was just far better than Klebo and Klebo was just so strong in the last 5k and came with a, with a beautiful performance in bronze medal, his first ever distance race medal at a championship. Um, I feel like the epic, uh, like, 
kind of death at the end of that race by Paul Goldberg is, is worth mentioning, but also worth mentioning is we have a podcast guest, Bahar Tappen, expert commentator on uh, Estonian broadcaster named, what is Kanal 2. Kanal 2, uh, former World Cup skier and uh, ski school administrator has uh, generously volunteered to join us this evening. So, um, Thanks for thanks for showing up our after after uh, hurrying to the finish with Chinese food. Thank you for inviting. It's uh, to be honest, it's it's my pleasure to be a part of this uh, show and to be part of the most talkative, talkative uh, cross country skier ever lived in on the earth, Stefan. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but I guess like coming from like Estonia or like Norway or Finland or Sweden, what you're used to more on the, uh, that side of the world, you know, maybe more stoic, more stoic individuals in those countries compared to Canada, but I appreciate it. And what do you, it's great to have you here. And I'm actually here interested to hear your perspective because, um, even though it's a troubled history, that's, that's being nice. Uh, the 15 K classic has had some great performances by Estonian athletes. Too bad they were cheating. But regardless, Verpelu is also a really good classic skier and uh, brought a lot of great moments for Estonia at the time. We don't need to get into how it all fell apart. But but what did you see out there? What did you see in the 15K? And what, what jumped out at you today? First of all, I was really surprised Russia didn't... Uh, or uh, how to be politically correct, the Russian Olympic Committee didn't uh, select uh, Denis Spitsov to be one of the four guys. And uh, I did some uh, kind of fact uh, checking uh, on it. And uh, it was just, they had the men selected based on the World Cup results. And that's how easy it is in uh, in uh, in this country. So I was uh, really hoping to see Denis Spitsov after this uh, Skiatlan to jump in and to have a battle for medals. But uh, it, it, it didn't happen. It, it, it led the Norway to have uh, more chances on medals and Klavo took the chance. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, Speaking of the Russian team, because that is true, you had to be impressed with Chivotkin, though. I was, because Chivotkin had a silver medal in Ruka, and then he's been struggling. Let's be honest. Chivotkin was really struggling on the World Cup coming into these Olympics, and I thought, and, and in the skiathlon, another guy that just couldn't ski himself out of a paper bag on Saturday was Trevotkin. And then today to come fifth, I thought it was a great performance by Trevotkin. He looked choppy. His technique didn't look like it was sitting quite right, but uh, he put together a great race. And I think it's going to be an exciting relay. I, I think if Russia doesn't win the relay or it's hard to say that, but, but I mean, Russia is going to be a serious force in the relay. And especially when you have a Trevotkin firing in all cylinders now spits off, like you said, Bolshinov is the best distance gear in the world. Like it's, it's uh, it makes for some excitement down the stretch here. Uh, well, let me just specify that we are talking about the Russian Olympic Committee team and not Russia uh, for purposes of discussion here, but otherwise. But still, I, I talked to the boss of Nor Nor Norwegian uh, waxing team, uh, Mr. Stein Olav and Snestrud, and uh, he was also surprised hearing that uh, Denis of name wasn't even a start list. Uh, so they were kind of lucky not having him in the start. Let's be honest, if you're... Uh, head coach of the national team and you have Olympic bronze in the uh, skiathlon and you have 36th place to pick out of and there's still 36th place going into the next race. It, it's kind of surprising, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. And, and the thing is, that's tough with Russia that people maybe 
people listening don't quite understand, and you make a good point, is the how politicized it is, especially at these championships for starts. You know, in, in Russia, you have all these satellite training groups, right? And if you go above the fray, if you're just way better, if you're bullshitting off, you get to pick whatever you want. And that's always how it is. Nepreva, she gets to pick what she wants to race to. If you're Ustyagov, you have a bit more leeway or you had after you lit the world on fire in 2017. But if you're these other guys, like you said, Spitsov, who has multiple medals in, in individuals, uh, sorry, individual medals from the Olympics, the fact that 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 isn't weighed in on a, on a game day decision like it is in other countries like Norway or Sweden or, or any other country, really. Uh, it's, it's shocking. And, and you're right. Like it, it was a medal left on the table for Russia today in classic. I'm sorry, man. I think, I think Klebo, even though he still had like what, 12, 13 seconds up to Bolshunov, I think it was going to be really hard for Spitzoff or anyone else, but that's just speculating. Like it's hard to discuss races that didn't happen, but, but I agree with you. It, it, it is weird and it'll always be weird. I don't know why the Russian ski federation, or sorry, the Russian Olympic committee has so much sway over starts when you have so many coaches and staff that have a lot of experience in the Russian team, we'll never know. There's some, there's some things that are just a black box with uh, who gets starts in Russia. Is it, is it a good time when we're talking about picking starts to also talk about Emil Everson? Because that seemed like it was like huge tabloid headlines in uh, Norway over him getting uh, skipped over. Yeah. And you know what? So Emma Leverson, who was the 50K world champion after the absolute mess of a 50K last year in Oberstdorf, uh, he got selected really early to the Norwegian Olympic team without having any results this year. Uh, you know, he raced well in Bidestolen in the fist races and in the World Cup, he just hasn't been able to perform and, and he, he's been lacking form all year. It was quite contentious that they picked him so early for the Olympics. And then it sounded like there was a backroom deal that went down where Emma Leverson was promised a spot no matter what in the 15K Classic. And then the night before, when they put the entries in, Emma Leverson's name wasn't, wasn't among the four. And he was pissed. Like, he was super pissed and felt that he was, you know, he felt that he was stabbed in the back. That's a direct translation, that he didn't get the start. And it's hard, man. Like, what, what are you going to say? Like, objectively speaking, in a country like Norway, the fuck, he's not good enough. He wasn't good enough this year. Like, how are you going to put guys that have been beating him every single time out in the 15K Classic? How are you going to put Everson in there? But at the same time, if he was told by the leaders of the Norwegian Ski Federation, or like the coaches and the bosses, that he has a start and then they took it away from him the night before, um, that's a mess. Like you can't do that. You shouldn't do that, especially in a country like Norway. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm I'm absolutely uh, on your side. Objectively speaking, uh, he wasn't really good enough. I I've been following the World Cups pretty cl closely this year, and uh, let's be honest, uh, he should be happy just being in the team, uh, following the other guys in the Olympics. He has not shown anything uh, spectacular to be part of this uh, race. So I would be just uh, I would be a little bit more quiet and. Uh, and wait for my chance if it happens to be in relay or 50k, whatever. But uh, it, you were absolutely right. He he hasn't been good enough to, well, to, yeah. to show up. Well, and he yeah, now and he doesn't. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, now that he's like in NRK telling the media that the coaches stabbed him in the back, I mean, it definitely seems like he really burned his, his bridges and, you know, my guess is like 
he's probably not going to get a start at all. I mean, do you think there's still a chance that they would start him in the, in the 50? Yeah. In the 50, the reality is with Emily Verson, 50 K skate, he's a big guy. He is very inconsistent with skating. He has no chance in the 50 K skate. None. He, he, you know, a, a great day for Emily Verson. If he got a start in the 50 K would be top 10. That'd be, that'd be a really great performance for him. The reality though is, you know, people can get sick. People, <laughs> an Emma Leverson in shape is a guy you want on your relay team. An Emma Leverson in shape is a guy you want on, on the, um, the team sprint, classic team sprint. But the fact of the matter is, it's really hard to put a guy that, like Kristen was talking about yesterday, it's really hard to put a guy in a relay that hasn't started yet in the Olympics. That is a sketchy maneuver. Norway did that with two people in Pyeongchang and it almost cost them big time. They chucked in. It was a really controversial pick four years ago when they put in uh, Didrik Tonseth in the relay instead of Holland, who had a medal, individual medal. He had to sit on the sidelines where they put in Didrik Tonseth that hadn't raced yet. He completely came undone, skied like shit. And without Kruger to bring it back on leg three, Norway doesn't win that relay. And then it happened also in the women's field. They had Astrid Jakobsen that was put in the relay and she skied horrendously bad and almost cost them the, the, the gold medal there in that relay. The only thing that saved them in that race was uh, a Ragnar Haga that was at her absolute best. So I'm not sure Emily Everson's going to get those chances in the relays, but um, he's a good guy. He's a good card to have as a sparer. There's no question. But I don't know. Like, look, I was going to ask you guys what you thought. Like, so Paul Goldberg started a little too hard. That's, that's obvious. He had a strong start. And there's a lot of noise that the Norwegians just aren't prepared enough for this altitude. And I think, you know what, not to just keep parroting it, but, you know, I bet you if Paul was perfectly, perfectly, perfectly prepared, that's a pace he should be able to hold. Paul's really good in 15K Classic. And he went out hard and aggressive, yeah, but he should have been able to hold that together. And he, he couldn't, and he blew up. But Valness, Valness really struggled. He was 15th. So what do you do if you're the Norwegian team for the relay? Are you going to put Paul in Valness or are you going to take a chance and put a fresh Everson? It's, it, it, there still is a storyline there. Or what are you doing as the Norwegian coach? <laughs> uh, too bad or too good that I'm not the Norwegian coach. Uh, so I, I, do, I really don't have to make that decision. But uh, I, what, what I heard, of course, uh, Kruger will be on the plane towards the Olympics. But uh, too bad relay, relay comes up uh, too early for him. So... Uh, in, in a way, you're, you're, you're correct. Valnes hasn't been that good. I mean, 15 for Norwegian standards, it's a little bit under the bar. So uh, if they even decide putting, for example, uh, Everson on the first classic leg, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, they are predicting a snowfall. So that will make uh, the race, if it happens, more exciting. Uh, less chances for the others to, to uh, you know, pull, uh, pull ahead. So... Uh, in a way, they could risk having uh, Everson on the first one uh, and maybe or uh, quite big chances that he will deliver on the 10K. Yeah, no, so it's going to be fun. It'll be, it'll be really interesting for the relay. And I think what's, what's even more interesting as we sit here and discuss this, this stuff as uh, armchair quarterbacks is like, there's just a couple stories I never would have thought. Like, why are we talking about, like, Norway should have had this Olympic gold medal in the relay sealed up like, for the last four years, like there's, this shouldn't be, we shouldn't be talking about anything. Like Norway should walk away with this relay. Like they've walked away with the relay in uh, 2019, you know, like uh, that's, that's the facts, but, but we're not, uh, yeah, 
but we're not there. Like that's not where we're at. So, so uh, it, it, it is going to be exciting. It'll be interesting to see what they say. Personally, I think like if you put an Everson or if you put a Valness, I, I put them at, at the same level. And for a first leg in classic, it, it's not going to, it shouldn't change the outcome all that much, but they, and Paul will be able to be discipline his, his effort better when he's racing with other people. We saw that in the, in the pursuit where he's he a good classic part. So no, but it, it, it is, it, one thing I will say, one last thing with the Everson thing is like, I understand he's frustrated. Like you said yesterday, Nat, there's like 30 or 30 plus journalists from Norway. I understand that you, you want to say what you mean. And that's good. And I always support athletes to say what they mean, but it's also, it also could be debated. Is this, a, is this a good time to distract from your other teammates? Like I know he never, he didn't throw any of his teammates under the bus. He wasn't saying like, I should have got to start over my teammates. He was more, out against the leaders that made the choices for the starts, but it creates a lot of noise that man, you, you need to manage your energy at a championship. A whole team needs to manage your energy at a championship. And uh, I felt bad. I, I felt bad for the whole situation to be perfectly honest, because Norway just isn't delivering at the level that, that uh, they want to deliver at, at these Olympics. If, if only, uh, if only, you know, I mean, it's so the standards are so unreasonably distorted when you're in Norway or these other Scandinavian nations. But I mean, it's totally true. You know, it's like, they're basically, they're really leaning hard on, on Clybo and on Johan to deliver those medals. And it's like, there's, there's the depth that they normally have is just not there. Um, is it, is it worth, um, should we delve into the American results? I mean, we could go through those really quickly. I mean, Scott Patterson, um, said, you know, it's, wasn't really clear if, you know, his sensations or fitness was any different. He felt like his skis were a little slick and he kind of blew himself up trying to, you know, muscle his way around the first of two seven and a half K laps. Gus Schumacher still just really, really struggling and doesn't really have an explanation aside from, you know, maybe being related to his uh, um, being, you know, getting a cold or some kind of illness during the, tour to ski although i think they're also just wondering if he's tired um and so i think they backed off a little bit but just you know uh, he's coming through the mix zone like a real pro but also just sort of doesn't know you know doesn't have an explanation it's it's, it's tough to watch I, you know i kind of want to write a story about it just because i do think he's handling it so well and then you know the other two guys on the start list sprinters who didn't really have much of a shot i, I don't know if there's anything to talk about with the canadian results today Devin. Yeah, I want to, I'd like to unpack what you said about the Americans. And then I have some things to say about the Canadians too, but like from the American side of things, <laughs> Scott skis, like, like you were too nice. Like Scott skis where we saw him on TV, they looked like ass. Like he had no kick. It, it, they were super slip, slick, slick. And I know Scott Patterson isn't the uh, technical skier that you put up in front of all the kids and say, let's ski exactly like this. You know, he's not the most beautiful classic skier you've ever seen, but he's a lot better than what we saw today. And I think his equipment let him down. We didn't get to see Gus or Ben at all, really. Um, but the results, like you said, and they're, they're, they're not up to par, but for the young guys like Gus, I think it's just super important to remember. Like I talked about Porama, who's had a great Olympics. He was 10th today from Sweden. He was sixth in the skiathlon. Gus is a contemporary of his. You, you, you can't lose belief and you got to take these championships as learning opportunities. And it's hard. Like the school of hard knocks, it stings to get kicked in the nuts repeatedly. It does, but you got to take these, these experiences and take them forward because in Cortina, it's not going to be at 17, 1800 meters, but it will be at middle altitude. Most, most certainly the, the cross country ski venues will be about 13, 1400 meters. 
So you got to take what you learned with these championships and try and adjust. Gus is from Alaska, which is sea level. So you're just going to have to make some adjustments and take that, take that uh, further. The Canadians, this is going to be tough for, for, for them to hear and the staff to hear, but the men have been disappointing. The men, the men have been super disappointing. I give a small glimmer of positivity to Olivier. He was 29th today. Uh, it doesn't seem like a, a great result necessarily, but you have to remember he was third at world juniors last year, his first year senior. The fact that he's at the Olympics, he's getting this experience. He's jumping in these races. He's learning how his body reacts. He's learning how a big championship works. So there's nothing but positive things to say about that. Remy Drolet, I actually am impressed that he turned it around because his pursuit wasn't, wasn't a nightmare. It was a thing of, it was like, uh, it was a nightmare in every single dimension. You're getting lapped out of a 30 K like that's a fucking disaster. And the fact that he brought it back around and had his best race of the season, he was 33rd, three, three twelve back too far back. But the fact of the matter is he, he brought it back to be respectable and Tony, Oh, Tony, man, like after being 11th in Ruka, uh, coming in here, great opportunity and like fell flat, like just, just didn't ski properly. And I think it's time they're all young as well. So that, that's exciting. But I think it's important after this championship's over, the staff have to go back and ask themselves, what did we do wrong? Because when these men are coming to the championship and not able to deliver their season best performances at the championship, that's a problem. And when the season's best is 11th and you're coming in here and you're in the mid 30s in the Olympics when there's only four starts per nation, you've missed your preparation big time. Something big happened to all those men None of them are skiing at the level they need to. And luckily they're young and super talented. So they'll get other chances, but they, after the season is over, they really have to go to the drawing board and, and see what the hell happened. So is there anything more to say about these North Americans? We're getting, uh, we're getting like a serious, like some kind of Russian sports celebration in the background. I don't know if you can hear that Devin, but uh, you know, one thing I really? did want to, one thing I did want to bring up is uh, we have a U.S. women's relay team. Uh, and that relay team is Haley Swerble in the first classic leg, followed by Rosie Brennan in the second classic leg, Novi McCabe uh, in the first freestyle leg, and Jesse in the uh, in the last uh, anchor leg. Um, Devin's Devin's uh, looking a little chagrined would be the the word there with the Swerble selection. Well, I think it's risky. I think it's super risky, but at the same time, I have to be consistent. And I've said, and Kristen said that it's not a good idea to put fresh, fresh meat into a high pressure situation. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, is Lowkley and, and Caitlin Patterson haven't had a chance uh, at these Olympics and to put them into a, a metal situation, maybe that's a too much. And the staff decided that, no, we can't take that chance. That being said, if you want to, if you want to win a medal, fortune favors the bold. I don't know what the staff has seen out of Haley Swerble that leads them to believe that the relay is going to be different from the other two distance races we've seen her race. Uh, I hope I'm mistaken. And if there's one leg that you can get away with something, it's the scramble leg. It is. So hopefully she's able to limit her losses, not lose too much time. If she's about 15 seconds back or 20 seconds back, that's not the end of the world. Uh, the U.S. can still be in there for a medal. I think McCabe has to be on the relay team, and she's such a great skater that if you put her in classic or skate, it really doesn't matter. And and the other two, of course, they were going to go leg two and leg four, so that, that, that's, the, that's a given. But 
I still think there was it, it hard, hard to know, but you know, in a perfect world, maybe you, you put McCabe who's getting, has that confidence in the 24th place in the classic, you put her in the scramble and then you put a, a fresh person in leg three, but it, it's just such a risk to do that. So the reality is maybe us only has three super strong skiers right now. And then what do you do? Then you're just rolling the dice with any one of those three others we mentioned. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, that's exactly what I think is, I mean, like, like it's kind of the, the hard truth. I mean, if, if Swerble was skiing, like she was in, in Davos, it's like, you know, slam dunk, like, you know, look for them to be on, on the metal stand. But I think, you know, seeing that Haley's not, you know, been skiing the way that she wants to, it's like, you know, you're, you are rolling the dice no matter what you do. And, you know, having, we, we talked a little bit about this with Matt Wickham in the mix zone today after they'd announced the selection and, it sounded like they were actually really strongly giving consideration to Kern um, and, and felt like, you know, what they wanted was uh, Haley, her, her aerobic capacity and, you know, the ability to basically kind of play some defense and, you know, okay, maybe she loses contact with the group, but she's not going to lose a minute. She might lose 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. I may also be mischaracterizing what, Wickham described, but that was kind of what I took away from it. And, you know, I mean, I, I think Wickham was, he kind of was like, you know, the favorites for this race are Finland, Sweden, and Russia, not necessarily the U S um, which I think at this point is, is, is probably true, but I mean, man, like Norway, I mean, I think Finland and, and Russia for sure, but like Norway doesn't have the depth right now either. I mean, I, I feel like if there ever was going to be a good opportunity at the Olympics for the U S in this relay, like it, it's like when Heidi Wang is at, at home with the still testing positive for COVID. I don't know what you think, Bob. Uh, what I think you're, uh, you really have to think that, uh, I don't know if you, uh, Finland and the Russia seems to be really good and they are really good, but don't forget Sweden. Come on guys. Do you oh, have- yeah. Olson hasn't been the best, but still, she was, she's up in the top six pretty much all the time. You have Eva Anderson, you have sprinter girls who, who can deliver 5K skate no matter what, in a way. Emma Ribbon, they, they, for example, you cannot underestimate Sweden ever when they have this kind of uh, female in, in their uh, team, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I totally get point. I mean, like Sweden is... Uh... Sweden is a, oh, hello. Yeah. Sorry. I lost you there. Sweden is a, Sweden is a pick that I think, of course you have to, you have to, they're one of the biggest favorites. So it'll be really exciting. I'm really, I'm really pumped. And I I thought it was a great race today and the relays are always fun. So. Yeah. Well, should we wrap up there? I don't know. Do do we, Valor has some experience. He, he spent four years coaching the, uh, Team China. I don't know, Devin, if you feel like there's anything people might want to hear about uh, about Team China. Uh, I know people are really curious about the guy who, uh, the sprinter who, you know, could have made it to the semifinals. But we could also keep this uh, keep this pretty short here. Yeah, we can keep this one pretty short. But I, I I am interested to hear. Like, I think his technique, Kang Wang. I'm probably saying his name so badly. I'm so sorry. But but he looked really really good technically he was excited he was in wickedly good shape i just really feel bad for the guy to not have the experience skiing in heats and like a mistake that he made with just positioning like 
he would have not done that. He like, that's a mistake he wouldn't have made had he been able to race the world cups the last few years and just learn how it is to, to ski in traffic. And instead it's kind of like left to be desired. Like he looked like, had he been in that second semifinal, let's say the guy's going to the final, you know, they, you know, with Maltsev drilling it in that second semifinal, you have a Chinese athlete in the final. Uh, it could have been, but instead, I don't know. Like, I know you probably want to keep, uh, you don't want to get yourself in too much trouble, but, but I don't know if you read it like that too. Cause I mean, I'm just so impressed with how he was skiing. I just felt bad for him that he didn't have the international experience to, to be able to translate it. Yeah. He, he totally missed the two seasons of world cup racing when he was the uh, last time he was there, he scored uh, twice uh, the points, uh, both the skating sprints. He participated Davos and then Blanitsa. Then there was a stupid, uh, uh, Chinese decision, they, they sent him home and he has been home ever since, you know. Yeah. Can you imagine skiing and training on your own without any competitive athlete uh, by yourself uh, two seasons in a row and then you have to jump into the Olympics and deliver. And dude, he was in perfect shape of his career, you know. He rocked at the fifth uh, qualification time. He was full of energy and he's, you know, he's super talent. He controlled everything, but obviously, as you said, he lacks, you know, this uh, spacing in uh, together with the other guys because he does not have the experience. But what uh, what the jury, to me, of course, I, I'm a little bit biased since I've been his coach for years, but uh, to me, the jury shouldn't have made this decision. You know, it was a 50-50, you know, these things happen in, in sprint. They could just, you know, let it go, let the dude move on to the next round. You know, Kohlberg wasn't in a great position anyhow. It was, uh, to me, it was a little bit controversial. And what they did wrong, they could have made China one of the cross-country nations. They could have China participating next year in the World Cups. Now, China doesn't have this, you know, superstar anymore. And maybe we don't see China for the next three, four years anymore. So there was a chance to make uh, China one of the nations in, in cross country. They missed it. Or let's say Wang Chang, of course, he made mistake himself, but the jury had option to let it go, you know. And that's that, that you're going to get some pushback for me, man, because like I, I agree with the political side that, yes, had in, in the shape that he had and the way he was skiing and, and the speed and energy there was a star that, that the Chinese ski federation could have got behind if he had a top 10, let's say, or better. And, and that was there. I think everyone that follows skiing saw that he had that in him and he was at that level, but d- dude, like he fucked up. You cannot come in on people like that. And Paul had nowhere to go. And the fact of the matter is I agree with all the political stuff and and I feel bad for him that he just didn't have the international experience to not make a move like that. But like, I, I'm going to take, I take the opposite side from the jury standpoint, as far as the rules go. And this is my problem with cross country ski rules. They're too wishy-washy. They're not hard and fast. Like you said, if, if you gave him a yellow card and let him go through, people would be upset. And some people would say that's okay. And in this regard where they relegate him last in his heat and uh, you know, he misses this chance. I'm okay with it. You're not okay with it. You know, this is the hard thing with, uh, with cross-country skiing. But I think, like, I'm sorry to say it's a hard pill to swallow because I know, I know what you're saying with uh, how the works in, politically in China, the, in the ski federation and stuff. 
but the guy's got to learn that he can't come in on people like that. I've done that. Like I've done that. I've been disqualified for doing the same stupid shit that he did. Like, it's just kind of how it is. No, I just wanted to say uh, the jury had absolute uh, correct decision in a way that, that, that I mean, they, they didn't, didn't do anything wrong. I'm just, I, I told you as well that I, I'm biased uh, making my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've been his coach. So uh, I, I just see things slightly different, but uh, I don't have anything against jury. I mean, there was a violation. It was a collision by made by Wang Chang. So nothing to say about that. I, I, no, I, no, would say- I, I know, I know, but he, but he was skiing so well. So I think that the positive is, and this is what's too bad. Had he been in any other nation on the star field? If you're showing that shape, you're fifth in the qualification and you're skiing well in the rounds, even though you made a tactical error under during it, any other country would be like popping champagne, bringing him to every single World Cup, giving him every single experience to just repeat that performance. You have a skate sprint in Trondheim in, in only three years. It's going to be super exciting. You can get him into that level. And, and and I know what you're saying. Like in China, it's kind of like it was a one. one it could be. We'll, we'll see. But it looked like it was a one and done. And uh, we may never see him again. And if you lose, if the international ski family loses a talent that's skiing so well like that from Asia, it's a tragedy. No question. It, it's like, it's like the baseball strikes. Are, oh my God. The uh, Bauer's colleague just uh, came to deliver us uh, some sustenance. Um, nice. So, so yeah, it's like the strike zone in baseball. Like, you know, if, if you're losing 10 to zero, does it justify, you know, giving the opposing team a, a wider strike zone? And it's, I, I mean, I, I actually kind of agree with Bahor. It's like, you know, Norway has enough effing medals. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it, but like, it would have been great. It would have been great. <laughs> it would have been great, but you guys have to like understand that you can't take people out. Like you can't because like when you're taking dudes out, everybody loses. So I just hope he gets the chance to to learn from this mistake and he won't ever he'll ne- the, 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 the saddest part about this though is he'll never get that opportunity again in China in front of the home while well, there was no fans because of COVID-19 but on home snow he'll never get that chance again and that's sad there's no question I'm not gonna argue guys on that but like y'all y'all can't do that y'all can't tackle people and and uh, it's a tough pill to swallow. Well, we got we got any any other uh, important uh, developments to break down? I don't know. At no offense, Bahar, I don't think the Estonian team has distinguished itself enough to really earn no. any uh, analysis. Uh, but I guess we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow after the women's relay, which you know I, I feel like that race. Um, you, you know, it's, oh, it's like it's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. And thanks a lot for taking the time to sit down with us. We love it and uh, enjoy the rest of the Olympics. Thank you for having me in your uh, flipping awesome show. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.